Well, for this week's Market Commentator podcast, we're chatting to Ian Little, the newly appointed chairman of Alan Gray, following the February passing of Simon Murray. Little is, of course, also chief investment officer of Alan Gray. Ian, thanks for your time today. You certainly are stepping in to some very large shoes. As chairman, what do you believe will be your number one challenge in the long term? Yes, it's, it's, it's obviously very sad to be um, taking the place of Simon under these circumstances. And he really set very high standards for all of us at Alan Gray. And I think really the challenge is to, to uphold those high standards and continue, continue performing to the high standards that Simon set and, and before him Alan set for us as a firm to, to really add value for our clients. In terms of where markets are now, um, what does Alan Gray view as perhaps its its number one challenge to add value to clients, or what is it watching most closely? Well, <laughs> it's, it's it's hard at the moment because the markets don't seem to be offering lots of opportunities. Um, certainly, we've got nothing like we had in 1998, where the markets offered fantastic opportunities for for high returns at, at what we considered to be low risk. If anything, it's the reverse now. So we can see lots of scenarios where one could lose money um, and lots of risks and not much upside. So it's a, it's a very challenging environment to invest in now. And the approach that we're taking is to try and manage risks carefully in all our clients' portfolios, depending you know, on the mandate they've given us and the flexibility we have to do that. Would you say that Alan Gray is taking quite a defensive position then? Yeah, so, so maybe a better way to describe it is if we are finding opportunities to sacrifice perhaps a bit of potential upside but protect the downside, then we're looking at opportunities like that. And that applies to equity selection and thinking about equities. And it also applies to asset allocation and a balanced portfolio where we have fairly high levels of cash and, and some hedging at the moment. What stocks on the equity front, what stocks does Alan Gray like at the moment in terms of fulfilling um, that mandate? Well, maybe one example is Old Mutual. Old Mutual is one of the shares in our, our top 10 holdings. And you, you might recall, you, I think some of our clients are a bit surprised when they see Old Mutual in the top 10 because they used to see Sunlum in the top 10. Mm. Sunlum was a, a great investment for us, and Johan Fensel did a fantastic job at Sunlum. But the, the market's valuation of the company has moved from a discount to what the actuaries estimate its value at, what they call embedded value, mm. to a large premium to embedded value. Whereas we can buy Old Mutual today at, at prices close to its embedded value. So you, the, the, the downside risk is, is much less, we think, in Old Mutual when, when you're not paying such a big premium to embedded value. So that would be one example. It has been difficult, of course, for value investors like yourselves to find those stocks that are either discounted or even trading at a fair value, in large part because of inflated asset prices that we are seeing off the back of quantitative easing, um, for one. Is there still opportunity, you mentioned Old Mutual, but is there still opportunity as a value investors to find, uh, as a value investor rather, to find those discounted shares? Yes, there's always opportunity, and we've got a full investment team of 20 analysts working hard to find those opportunities, <laughs> and they, they come up from time to time. The, the trick is to be prepared to take advantage of those opportunities. So you know, maybe an example would be the recent listing of Zambezi Platinum, 
which is uh, the, the black empowerment vehicle for northern platinum. Um, we think the preference shares in Zambezi are, are very attractively valued, and we were able to pick up uh, uh, um, the right to subscribe to a large number of the Zambezi prefs when they were trading as the northern NPLs over the last couple of weeks. But you had to be prepared, you had to have done your work in advance and then trade aggressively to take advantage of the opportunity. In your most recent uh, quarterly commentary, you mentioned that investing directly in uh, platinum or palladium is viewed as lower risk than investing or buying shares rather in the mining companies that produce the metals. Can you just talk us through your thinking there? I guess you'll probably hear this from most people, but when valuing the platinum mining companies today, it looks to us like the platinum prices need to be roughly 20% higher than they currently are to justify the prices that the market is paying for the shares in the companies. There are all sorts of risks which come with investing in the South African mining sector which are are well known and we think that the the first 20% upside just in the metal prices is something which is attractive to us with much less risk. so, so hence our preference for, for the metals. Let's talk about niche asset managers. We have seen a number of them come on stream in recent years. Um, and I, sp- I suppose making the likes of Alan Gray and Coronation look very much like the large institutional money managers um, that they are. Ian, is this the era for niche asset managers? Well, certainly there are a lot of leash managers around today, and, and maybe it's partly a function of, of the markets being where they are. Um, so here, I, I think the one thing is that obviously the performance of the niche managers will differ vastly. So I'm sure that there will be a few boutiques that will beat us over the next few years um, if they pick just the right portfolio. But I would hope that there are many boutiques that we're going to beat. So the trick is really if you if you want to invest with a boutique manager, which one do you invest with and how, how do you choose the, the, the boutique that's going to be the winner? Off the back of that, do you expect to see some consolidation among uh, boutique asset managers? I don't know. It will it'll probably be a function of, of markets. Mm. Um, if, if the markets were to consolidate or, or fall, um, you could see that over time. We've seen um, a huge increase in the number of listed property stocks over the last year, even especially with the category of real estate investment trusts being introduced, and that's really been a booming sector. Do you think that that boom is going to continue? We're going to continue to see a number of new listings and that there is good value to be had um, from listed property? No. (laughs) No to all the questions. um, so you, you're right, there, there has been a real boom, but I think one must be careful to uh, look at where the performances come from. So a big chunk of the, the performance that one has achieved from investing in the property stocks hasn't come from the underlying performance of the properties themselves mm. or from growth in net rental income, but it's come from a re-rating of the sector, meaning that people are paying, have been paying higher and higher prices for each round of net rental income over time. Um, and it's also come from leverage. Mm. And we know that there's a property cycle. Um, it's not going to go up forever. And while leverage works amazingly well in the up cycle, it obviously catches you out in the down cycle. So we see lots of risks, especially in the South African property sector, um, at current prices. 